streaming live from Treaty 1 territory in the heartland of the Métis Nation, the place where the great waterways meet and the heart of Turtle Island. I'm excited to host the first Nuit Blanche Toronto podcast, where we find ourselves in the territory of Toronto, under the treaty of a dish with one spoon, and is home to some of the most diverse population in Canada. I am your host and artistic director, Julie Negum, and this is my eighth episode, Exchanges for Collaborations, which will uncover collective actions that can create radical change in our institutions and structures. Looking towards new models of working, I hope to offer you shared dialogues with Krista Ulu-Zawatsky, Kalusiak, Dr. Heather Agluliorte, Asiniak, Randel Aji, and Michelle DeLeon. In my mind, concepts of collaboration are the way of the future because they are grounded in our past ways of working and operate outside of Eurocentric frameworks. This decentralization of the single author, curator, writer, and artist pushes us into community voices and radical change for the better. I'm really excited to have some of my faves who are working on the inaugural exhibition Inua for the new Inuit space Hamiyak of the Winnipeg Art Gallery, which has been named Binisen Boasea. This all Inuit curatorial team represents all four regions of Inuit Nunanga, and it will be difficult to tell them apart because they've been collaborating over the last two years. I'm thrilled to share some of this dialogue with you with Asiniak, Krista, Klabusiak, and Heather. I think it's, it's a very colonial concept or perspective to want to have one voice, to, to be the voice, as opposed to a more indigenous or more Inuk perspective where you want to bring in your whole family and your community and all the different voices and perspectives. You know, I think that's one of the biggest differences here. It really makes it special, but it's also, it's humbling in the sense that you're not privileging yourself over your community and your family in that sense. And I think that, I think that's just a very important aspect of the show that we're not one voice and we know that and we don't want to, you know, overshadow each other. We're not competing. It's not a competition. It's, I think it's, it's been great. I love it. There are so many museums where even if it is a single curator, they don't even get to put their names on the show that it's just like, you know, an exhibition by the National Gallery of Canada instead of an exhibition by you know, a particular curator out there. And not only do we have our our names on this exhibition, but we also, right when you come in the front, the beginning sort of staging of the exhibition, we have four works that feature works made by our ancestors. So uh, we can all talk a little bit about what those are. But like last year, I got a message over Twitter, actually, by someone I'd never met or heard of before who said, hey, I think I have works by your grandmother. And she passed away when I was like 11 or 12 years old. And he just sent me these photos. <laughs> and now one of those pieces is in the exhibition, right, when you come in. So it's like a really acknowledgement of like, it's not just like Krista's saying, like we're, we're actually bringing our families and our communities along with us when we're in this show. The, the only thing I get to take credit for is bringing this amazing group of people together. <laughs> and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some credit for that because I, they're just the most amazing people to work with. So we, I'm from Nunatsiavut, as I said, and Asiniak is from Nunavik, which is west of me, and Krista is from 
Nunavut, which is west of her, and Kabousiak is from the Inuvialuit region, which is the most westerly part <laughs> in Canada of Inuit Nunanka. But we also all have, like they were saying, different skill sets that we bring to the table and all kinds of different talents. And I think important things that we share, like Kabousiak, I think, has got this really beautiful conscientiousness that you bring to all of our conversations and things that we need to be reminded of that when we're thinking about how we're caring for the artists that are in the show. And Krista's got this incredibly important, deep knowledge and experience that she brings into all of the work that she's doing. And Asiniuk has this really critical eye for seeing how things are working in the spaces. And, you know, there's lots and lots more that we could say about that, but I just think it's such a privilege and honor. And it's been really amazing to get to finally be together <laughs> here at the in Winnipeg. I've been here for a couple of months, but the team came out and quarantined. And so we've got this really intensive two, we're hoping to extend it to like maybe three weeks together to install a hundred works in a building that was under construction until just a little while ago and that the rest of the team had never even been in before they got out of quarantine. So to think about to come in, to learn a space, to see all the new work. We've got a bunch of commissions. So it's like works that we've never even seen before coming together and just like to be able to imagine how all those things are going to fit in this very unconventional gallery space has been, I just love the puzzling part of it. I love the thinking through how, what relationships you're building between the works and, and what is, what's aesthetically pleasing, but also conceptually sound. That's all really exciting. Oh, it's just, yeah, very surreal to like, see the gallery on SketchUp or like even um, through shaky videos that people take quickly. Yeah, like walking into the gallery was very much like a intense moment of like, wow, this is like real life. <laughs> this is happening. And I was thinking too, with our curatorial work, I think it's really beautiful to have this like autonomy over other Inuits, other Inuit artist works, and to be able to have a narrative that we are, we're a part of this narrative and we're also contributing to it. So I think that's really beautiful that it's not like some colonial white, old white lady in charge of this exhibition, of, like the opening of Kamayok. Voice and perspective is critical to collaboration, and each of the curators wanted their relations in the space as part of the exhibition to draw on the connection to their past generations and relationships to communities. This is so beautiful to bring work from their family members or what they're calling their ancestral artwork into the new space. And for me, I see this as a long thread that connects us from the past, present, and into the future. I think that we'll, at least a part of the way that we decided to have this ancestor piece section was because we like knew that we all have family that are possibly in the collection at the WAG and definitely that are artists. So it's also like that pretty much every Inuk maybe has a connection to an artist somewhere and how it's so special to be able to like go into the vaults and see the artwork and like there can be someone who's related to you in the collection. How like we're all artists in any way, if it's directly doing arts or another way, like we all have creative energy. And um, I also think the other thing was like being honest about who we are. Okay, this is what I was thinking about before. You know, some books, 
When you look at their cover, they also don't say the name of the author, they just say the subject. And I realized lately that I stopped trusting those books and I don't have a urge to read them because I think now I'm at a place where it's very important to understand where story's coming from, where information's coming from. So I also think that with us all putting our ancestors' piece at the beginning, it's also being honest and upfront about who's telling the story in the whole exhibition. It's from our perspective. And it almost seems like a really Inuk thing too, because it's like, as far as I know, when you introduce yourself, you like talk about who your family is and where you're from, and that's like the curatorial way of doing that. Um, my piece in the exhibition are dolls that my great aunt Alyssa P made. And they're really special pieces to me because my mom was working on educational tools for kids. And she got my, worked with my great aunt to go around to communities and collect stories. But my great aunt thought it wasn't far enough because like kids need things to be alive to be able to transmit knowledge. So she asked if she could make a collection of dolls. So they figured out to do it and she made a beautiful collection of dolls and they're made for kids, but they ended up getting put in storage and not able to like transmit their stories in schools with kids. So one of the things that I try to do is like bring them out whenever possible so that they can share their stories. My ancestor piece is walrus ivory tusk carving that's on a whalebone stand, and it's quite detailed, and it's made by my great-grandfather. And I knew it was in the collection, and I knew I wanted to pull it out, and there's a few pieces in the collection, but this one stood out partly because of the detail, but it was also when I came across it, I texted my mom, and I said, hey, I, it's Ipdok's piece. And I think I sent her a picture. And she starts telling me her childhood memories of him carving and how he liked to work with ivory in particular. And I thought that was a really special story that she shared with me while I, while I was in the collection, you know, by myself. <laughs> Bawling. <laughs> I was okay until she started telling me, you know, her childhood memories and then I, I couldn't hold it and it was so special. But I just feel like it represents our family's history in a lot of ways because when my grandfather was young, you know, they had, he's got a bunch of siblings and my great grandfather got polio and got sent away. And then when he came back, he did a lot of carving, so that's part of our history, and I wanted to share that. I think, for me, someone who works in collections and with community, I think that's one of the most important things, is to make sure there's access for Inuit, for people, for community, especially if it's your ancestors. You know, it's not necessarily access to art, only art collections, but I'm talking about, like, archival material and ethnographic material, photographic and film, and that are sitting in museums, and if you are gatekeeping and keeping people out, you know, that's very colonial, and that's something we need to step away from. And, you know, the old vaults where the Inuit art used to be in the Winnipeg Art Gallery wasn't very accessible. And 
working with the government of Nunavut, we tried to create programs so that more Inuit have access, especially Inuit artists that have direct connections to the artists that are in the collection. We tried to create projects, or I tried to create projects to bring more people in because I felt like they're sitting there in the collection, not being used, not being studied, not being accessed by Inuit. You know, a lot of non-Inuit have access to them a lot of times, you know, curators or researchers or students, I think, visit that collection a lot, but they're not necessarily Inuit. And, you know, I'm very excited to see the visible vault so that people can see it that way, see the pieces that way. But when you have direct connection to the art that's in a museum, you know, one of the first steps is making sure that people know it's there. You know, part of it is I had gone into the collection and I didn't know my Ittok's pieces were in there until I was kind of, I just came across it accidentally. Or I think I found it on the database first because every time I go into a collection, I search, you know, Samuktok or Putulik or any of my ancestors or my friends that might have pieces in there. And I don't think it's right if people don't know what's in there. And I think this is a step forward to opening it up so people have access. And the thing is, a lot of times people feel that connection, even if you're not directly related to the artist, when you go into a collection. When I go into a collection, I always walk in and I speak Inuktitu and I say hello to all the pieces and say, I'm here, I can see you. And oftentimes I'll play Inuktitu music or Inuktitu radio, because CBC streams CBC North Radio. You can stream it online. So I'll play that sometimes if I'm working in a collection, just so that Inuktitut is heard in the space. And if I go into an old collection that's like somewhere away from where I know people don't go often, I'll start off with saying, I'm sure you haven't heard our language in a long time, but here I am. <laughs> And just like kind of blab on, <laughs> whatever. Like I might talk about something that happened that day or I might just, you know, it's called like self-narration where you talk about what you're doing as you're doing it. So just to kind of, just so that it's heard, the language is heard. And I feel like a lot of times curators or museum workers don't necessarily have that perspective. So it's really lacking you know, that cultural competency type perspective, you know, like how do, we, or what are the protocols and what, how do we respect the art or the belongings, the artifacts, the objects that are in collections. The name of the visible vault is Ilavut, which means, it means our relatives. And it's, that's the, it's the vault, but it's also the whole kind of welcoming space because of course it has multiple meanings. It's talking about the works, but also the people who made the works, the stones themselves come from our land, Nuna, but also the kind of welcome, like the intention that the naming committee, that of course, Julie, you were a big part of as well, and everyone here, that the elders and language keepers 
decided on for that space. And I think it's like, if you had been in the vault before, like the downstairs vault in the basement, it's all beige <laughs> shelving and, and sort of dark. And you had to kind of, you couldn't really reach in between because everything was kind of crowded together. And you'd sort of peek into the back of the corners of the shelves and try to see, you know, what's here and what's up there and out of sight. And just being able to see the vault, you know, I think it's not a perfect <laughs> situation. I think it's a beautiful step forward with how we can treat the work and just giving everything a kind of a place of pride in that space where they can all kind of, they're sort of breathing the same air and they're all in the space together and they're in the light. You can see them from out on the street. You know, it kind of draws people in. There's a lot that I think is really special about it. Bringing together the right people at the right time can create beautiful results. Watching the Winnipeg Art Gallery shift, transform, go backwards and then forwards again has been really amazing to witness over the last six years. Similarly, RISE has been building this beautiful community over the last 10 years in Scarborough. It's bringing intelligent souls from everywhere to bear their creative actions into Toronto and beyond. It's so exciting to have both Randall and Michelle and the whole RISE team as part of Nuit Blanche and Nuit Connects, where there's been some long-term connections and building towards collaborative futures. So uh, RISE Entertainment stands for Reaching Intelligent Souls Everywhere, is the acronym. It really started for me personally when I was, just as a young person growing up, I found myself getting into a lot of trouble. And art was always a way for me to really express myself through writing poetry or writing prose. And so getting into a lot of trouble at a really young age, I met a teacher when I was in grade eight who really transformed my whole perspective on what it meant to be, to be, you know? And realistically, she gave me a pen and chip. She gave me a paper. And for the first time, I was really able to explore my story in a very creative way, in a way that was non-judgmental. And so fast forward about seven years later, I realized just how important it was to create spaces for young people to express themselves in a positive way, in a way that was creative, in a way that allowed us to build community, in a way that allowed us to get to know ourselves on a deeper level. I think it's important that art, personally, I don't believe in art for art's sake. I believe in art for the sake of healing. I believe in art for the sake of creating community. I believe in art for the sake of collaboration and what it can bring and the legacy that it can leave behind as well. Too. And so RISE is an initiative that started in 2012 in Scarborough to provide a safe and inclusive space for young people to express themselves in a positive way. And we started off with 23 people. It grew and ballooned in a number of different ways. It's really about helping artists, supporting artists, providing them with the tools and the business acumen to really support themselves and also to create community here in Scarborough specifically. Definitely. I would second a lot of the things that Randall has said. My name's Michelle DeLeon and working with RISE in this capacity, coming from, I would say, the kind of like being the participant and then now getting to work on the back end of things and the operation side has been a unique experience for me. And I can definitely say that, you know, everything that Randall said in terms of what the program was designed to do, it really did do. Having been a person from the audience, like at the open mics and a participant in many of the events, a volunteer, and then now a staff member, I've been able to see the change um, and the platform that RISE has been able to build. And when it comes to collaborating, I think that this is one of one of the best examples that I have been honored to be a part of. Um, I've worked in community development and social development for over 10 years. And 
the way like the magic or the energy that has been built here it really does go into like all the different facets of now of what rise is a part of so yeah i think that's what i will say about that for now and i think to add to it i was going to say i think something to add to what Mich uh, michelle said i love how michelle brought that up it's really collaboration formed in a sense where the people who came out to participate there was always room for them to become involved in a deeper way and so michelle seen how things work in the front end but in the back end she was able to come on and see how things work in terms of organizing in terms of planning in terms of curating at the same time and you know one thing about collaboration that i think is important is for you to really when you can step in as a participant and see things and enjoy it and then for you to see an opportunity for you to get involved and that the organization also offers that opportunity as well. I find it to be, not to say seamless, but it's, it's I guess you fall in love with something and then you, you want to kind of support it in the, in the back end as well. So it's just great having Elle become a part of this. Yeah, 100%, 100. Well, for me, I had always, like as a youth, why I even got involved in wanting to become involved in like social work and community development and especially youth work was like kind of my specialty area um, and building programs and events and projects. And that all came from seeing the impact, the positive impact that those kind of initiatives had on my upbringing and my life and seeing some of my peers and my friends who, the ones who went to programming after school versus the ones who didn't. And, you know, some of the things that, uh, some of the paths that they crossed because of the fact that there weren't those interventions in place. So I was very passionate about it because of that. Like when I came to Rise, I was already in my 20s. So maybe I wasn't like the target demographic at the time. I might've been, you know, more in common with the facilitators, but the great thing about RISE was that the facilitators and the audience members were like on the same level. We found a common theme or like a common ground to build upon. And that was something unique or something that it just really worked very well in RISE, like building from the smaller group, like where there was 20 people in the room. And I think that that helped us to form like a very special bond, like uh, Randall was saying about like that deeper connection and it I could see that that was something that I wanted to be a part of I wanted to be a part of bringing that kind of energy and that kind of intervention into a young person's life I always say that like rise kind of saved my life because at that time I think I was disillusioned with social work and it wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be out of university so rise uh, re-engaged me with the community that I wanted to serve and it's allowed me to fulfill my dream which has been to like be of service so getting that opportunity and having someone like Randell be able to see me like in the crowd of people and then say like hey do you want to volunteer I always felt like he was like specially reaching out to me and then to find out now like as things have grown that that's just like actually part of what Rise was about which it's in the name and it's like it's really Maybe it's becoming cliche at this point, and I'm glad because that means it's like a good thing. It's something that's going to stick around, which is reaching intelligent souls everywhere. And I really do feel like that's what the name, everything that Rise said it was about, like it was actually practicing. And that integrity is what kept me really engaged and like just in awe always, like just in full admiration of what they were doing and wanting it to grow and stay alive. 
inter- and multi-generational collaboration is exciting. And the synergy between the four curators is kind of electric. That's forging us all here together to connect in Winnipeg, which I, of course, don't mind. As a team, one of the things that you consciously did was to push gender and sexuality in the exhibition, which has been underrepresented in the curation of Inuit art. Additionally, you have brought in Inuit designers and architects, educators and students, which might be a first in all areas of the creation of this exhibition and the opening of Hamiyuk. Well, I think like one of the things that I've been thinking about like lately is like I know personally, like I love so much working in teams and it's really like valuable and important to me and like I love doing it. And there's also, it's really valuable and we like enrich each other so much, but it also like humbles me constantly because I have to like be with myself and be like, what's worth fighting for, like what's worth letting someone have their way. And even though like I think it goes like we're really good together, there's also another part where it's like internally in me, it's like, you know, always like figuring out what's the boundary. It's like a flowing kind of thing inside. And I think it's like that is an important thing about doing work together because as an individual, it's really important to have those dialogues with yourself. And it's really amazing to be able to do it in like a really safe environment. <laughs> yeah, like we were chatting over lunch the other day that it's like there's so much care involved and like checking in with each other. And it's just like a really beautiful way to work that I've not experienced in past curatorial situations. And yeah, the amount of care involved is very special. I'm just thinking, you know, when you're in school, or college or university and you have to do like team projects and stuff and you're just like cringing like oh I don't want to work with so and so like <laughs> they don't do the you know they don't get the work done and you do it all sort of thing this is totally not like that <laughs> <laughs> right like we complement each other so well and it's not one person doing all the work and I think I really appreciate the work that we've been doing because it's not, like I said, it's not one person doing all the work. It's not one person or two people doing, being overbearing or, you know, taking all the spotlight or making all the decisions. It's a, it's a real team effort that, it's teamwork that we're doing here. And it's, and I really appreciate how, like, it would be so easy for Heather to just go ahead and do everything and decide everything, but she doesn't, you know? She's always, we've always made sure that if we're, if someone can't make a team meeting, um, then we reschedule. You know, there's been, however, we've had a lot of meetings over the years and there's been, you know, two where one person was not there you know, like it's one or two meetings where one person is not there. And that's, to me, that's amazing because it would be so easy to be like, oh yeah, just go ahead without me. Or, oh yeah, let's just have the meeting without them anyways, sort of thing. And it's, it hasn't been that way. I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, we tried to bring in a diverse range of Inuit experiences so that when people go in there, they might recognize a little bit of themselves in the pieces, in the place, 
you know, t trying to take a step away from that square definition of what Inuit art is, you know, because there's so much more Inuit art and trying to pay respect to that range of Inukness. So I think it's super important from your guys' perspective of thinking about not only pushing the mediums, pushing the places of where people are from, pushing our lived experiences and being open to all of those facets that are part of it, but also thinking about in the future, you know, are we still going to have to have those same conversations? Will it be pushing or will it become what we know and experience normally, right? Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, um, I was thinking also about in the way of working together and like why we work together the way we do, which is kind of least impact on other people, like emotional toll wise, you know what I mean? We're not like trying to like wound each other. We're like just trying to like make space for each other and care for each other. And I think that the same is true for our community at large and we have the opportunity to like leave out narratives if we wanted to, but that's not the goal. The goal is to like bring as many people in as possible, which is what Krista was talking about. But I also think it's important to do that so we can see ourselves like Krista was saying, but also because the more people can see themselves, I think the more that we can see our potential and our belonging in a community, and the more we can become comfortable with really being honest with who we are and being open and feeling like we'll have a space where it's safe and it's okay to do that. So I think that's like when it comes to like why make those decisions because like you can cut people off or just go with what you know and what you like. But when you make the effort to bring as many people in as possible, we'll all be richer for it. Yeah, like you were saying the other day, especially about like queer Inuk artists that like, we're not necessarily, we're keeping the wholeness of the artist, whether they're queer or not, or any other diversities, like ability, like uh, differently able. We're seeing the whole artist. It's not compartmentalizing parts of it, if I'm paraphrasing correctly from the other day. <laughs> I think it's kind of like the selection of the different kind of media. Like, I think that the people who will be surprised by all of the video and photography and mixed media is not going to be Inuit. I think even if Inuit haven't seen work like that before, we've been really conscious about selecting Inuki <laughs> things that really speak to, that we think will really speak to Inuit. And so it doesn't matter what the media is, you know? Like, I don't think that the fact that it's not just sculptures and prints and drawings, although there are sculptures and prints and drawings in the show. But the fact that it's not just that, I don't I don't think that, you know, I could bring my my Aunt Miriam through the exhibition and she would like all the same things that, you know, that anybody else would like in the show, you know? I feel like if I if I brought my grandmother through the exhibition, she would also, you know, like she would find like some of the installation work really resonant and she would like the photography and, you know. Uh, somebody follow up on that, I, I ran out of, <laughs> I think it's just like running out of gas time. <laughs> so we're not just an all Inuvialuit curatorial team. We're also working with Inuk architectural grad student and the maybe the first Inuk exhibition designer, Nicole Luke, who happens to be Uliuk's cousin. 
<laughs> and it is based here in Winnipeg, lucky for us. We've got Kayla Bruce, also from Rankin Inlet, who is here in Winnipeg, and she's a, studying to be an early childhood educator, and so she's going to be developing some programming for kids. That's the one thing that we haven't mentioned, but like thinking about children's experiences of the exhibition has been really huge. That's something that we've done a lot of thinking through as well. So she'll be working with us. We've got an Inuk graphic designer, a couple of people that we're considering working with. And oh, our project manager, Jocelyn Perenin, is an Inuk as well. And then I'm the director of a project called Inuit Futures and Arts Leadership. And we have, this year in our cohort, we have about 18 Inuit and Inuvialuit students who are post-secondary students who are located all throughout the North and South and all across the country. And they have all selected works from the show to create audio guide pieces about that we'll have translated into Inuktitut. And those will all live on the website. They'll be part of the virtual tour. You'll be able to take an exhibition tour through the through the gallery because, of course, again, with COVID, we know that we're not going to have huge masses of people going through the exhibition right off the bat. And so we've got this really amazing multivocal audio guide project where, like Krista was saying, like it's not about one single curatorial authority, but rather that we're sharing that amongst not just ourselves, but also sharing that with the designer and the project managers, very hands-on and with the exhibition designer. And now we've also brought in all these other voices. And it's the students are all just saying how they respond to the work. We haven't told them what to say about the work. They're actually writing their own responses. And that's going to be a part of the audio guide as well, which I think is really awesome because it'll be in their own voices. And so you'll get to hear from people all over, which for now, is the best we can do. We hope we do something really big for the closing of the exhibition because obviously it's not going to be a lot of people in person. And the internet is still not an ideal interface to connect with Inuit, of course. And that's the biggest sort of saddest part of what's happened with COVID is that we can't bring in artists. We can't bring in lots of people from across the North to see the opening, but maybe we can for the closing. And certainly there's a large local Inuit population here in Winnipeg, and they're all going to get to be the very first people in the exhibition. So that is, that's really great. It's been incredible to witness the collaboration and transformation of the curatorial team for Inua. It's inspiring, and once this critical shift happens, there's no turning back to old colonial models of curating Inuit art. Just as RISE has been building strong arts communities in Scarborough and beyond, Randall and Michelle expand on their amazing journey through collaboration and the incredible forces that have brought people together each year that has gone by. One of the biggest ways that we collaborate, from the very beginning, it's always been about not just for the community, but with the community. I think when it comes to collaboration, it's very easy for people to say we want to do something for people. But I think that, I think that mentality of saying that you want to do something for people, one of the challenges that that poses is you kind of put yourself, not necessarily to say on a, on a pedestal, but you're putting yourself kind of in a position to say that you are the one of service. When I think that collaboration and service should be reciprocal. And so with RISE, what we've always done is we've always asked the community what they need. And our whole, all of our success comes from asking the community what their needs are. Supporting them based on, you know what, I need to learn more about this, or I need to learn more about that. And so in terms of how collaboration is formed is in terms of doing things with people, asking the right questions, and being able to innovate and adapt and pivot as the needs change. And I think for us, one of the things that made it easy was most of the 
participants were our friends and our peers. So it wasn't a formal conversation. It was an informal conversation. It was really about how can we both succeed? Because that's the whole premise of Rise. It's about seeing you grow. If you grow, we grow at Rise, you know? The other aspect of collaboration that I really love is it happens even in the events. And I say it happens even in the events in the sense that when we were allowed to see each other in person, you know, the artists would go on stage and perform, but the audience would also, I, and, I, and I vaguely just mentioned collaboration in the sense that without the audience, there's no need for the performer, to, 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 in my opinion, to be there, right? And so they feed each other. There's a reciprocal experience that happens on stage where the audience is being fed from the, from the performer, but the performer is also being fed as well, too. And I think that really comes from the safe space that it offers as well, too, right? So we're really just grateful to see it grow in the capacity in which it has grown. And I guess for us, future collaboration is continuing to keep our ear on the ground, but also being aware of, I guess, where our shortcomings are and how else we can open it up for more collaboration. Don't stop. Mm -hmm. That definitely uh, speaks to me in terms of like the ways that I've seen Rise collaborate and also build like this community of people who are conscious of what it means like to collaborate and the benefits and the purpose of it. They really like embody that idea about, you know, there's no I in team and you really do get to see as a participant and in the back end, everybody working together to make this happen each and every week, especially when it was the open mic. I think, and because that's for me, my first or my first engagement with Rise, the open mics, um, I think I'll speak to that in terms of, you know, it started out with, you know, just having it as a drop-in and then it grew to really a, pro a whole production and over the last eight years. And so then having it grow from being like that meetup style to like this more production style, I think that what that does is, as Randall was saying, it opens up more opportunities for other people to get involved. And there was a lot of talent that was inside of the audience and I think like in the community that uh, Rise is really, I would say, an animator, like a community animator and getting people motivated to use their skills to lend a hand to like you know, be a part of like the backstage, even the people who stick around to like put chairs and put chairs away or put chairs out for other people. It creates like this sense of safety. I do, I do agree with that statement or that sentiment that you feel very safe there and it becomes very consistent. And I often used to liken it to church. Um, I grew up Catholic, but I had kind of like stepped away from like religion and like gatherings like that and rise kind of brought me back to all of the positive things that I really loved about church and kind of left out all of the other things that I wasn't really interested in about church like you still had a lot of freedom to express yourself and to bring that to the stage and get other people interested and there's a saying that you know it says that you inspire others when you use your light um, and I really do see that that's what the collaborations that we've built in Rise have done. Fast forward to now, like I would say in the last two years, being more in the organizational side, getting to see how the only way this dream comes together is if the team works together. Like I know that a lot of people, one thing that I'm really glad about, or I'm glad that now I get to collaborate with Randell and a lot of people see Rise as being Randell, which even me, I, I still feel that way, like still do. But I definitely see that it's because of having like that, those great leadership skills and that he walks the talk. It really did like inspire all of us to kind of do the same thing. And 
Whereas some people may see that it's like, you know, everyone's following one person. I think we're all following one dream or like this concept of being conscious and having a community that like works together. That's something that we all want and we all work towards that. So I'm just really glad that within what we're doing, we're now building out, you know, this one person's dream or like this small collective stream into like this huge offering for like to be digested worldwide, hopefully internationally everywhere is the goal. Um, And it started off like in our own community. So that's like really beautiful. Um, Some of the other collaborations that we're doing, it all spun off of being able to see that there was a need. People kept showing up and more and more people kept showing up so much so that like the space had to get bigger and like more staff and more volunteers had to get involved. And then seeing that impact, it was something that I think, you know, all of those awards, they were won because RISE was something that could not be ignored, like the impact that it was having on the community and how it was spreading to like even other communities and inspiring other young people to like, even if they couldn't make it out to Scarborough, uh, we had, I don't know how many uh, you would say Randell by now, but I, from since like uh, 2012, when I started going, I've heard about so many other open mics and other platforms that are being built now for artists in other little pockets of the city outside of like even the GTA. So even like going into places like Hamilton, even places like Durham region, and then growing out from there. And then even, you know, uh, the Rise team has flown to places like the UK and stuff like that, and like met other groups that are doing similar things. And when we started our online show, it was very interesting to see some of those people now being able to be reconnected. So some of the blessings that came out of this uh, pandemic are us or Rise being able to see really see the reach that we're having, not only in the Scarborough and like Toronto community, but worldwide. And like, really, I think it opened up my mind to what Rise could be in like uh, one day. And I think it helped us to build towards some of our new trajectories and our new goals um, as we go forward. And yeah, then we're getting a lot of opportunities, like being uh, associated with the Rise team and then having like some of the networks that I have, I've been able to collaborate those two, if you will, um, been able to like collide those worlds and make them work and kind of build upon that as well. So I'm really glad to be able to use, you know, the skills that I already had and being able to build on skills, um, like becoming a better project manager, a better event manager, and then hopefully bringing some other people under my wing and then mentoring them, which that's another thing that I think uh, this collaborative process has done or has allowed us to keep building and like show others how to build. And I think for me, if my life, like if it could amount to one thing, it would be that I leave the world like better than I came here. And I think that that would be like making more leaders and not more followers. Talk that talk, girl. Snaps for that. Snaps for that. (laughs) But getting to see it like as a person, like an art enthusiast, if you will, I've always been. and. I've always gone out to Nuit Blanche. It happens to be on my birthday weekend almost every year. So having it come to Scarborough was amazing. Like, I just remember when I saw that that was going to be happening, I couldn't believe it. Like that, you know, Scarborough, sometimes it has a really, has had a negative reputation. Not if you live there, but on the outside, I've heard a lot of negative things growing up. And seeing that Nuit Blanche, which I thought it was a really elite kind of, you know, kind of out of reach avant-garde, like everything that I see on TV and it's not really supposed to be, you know, in my 
viewpoint or my vantage point. It was amazing to have that kind of culture come down to Scarborough. And when I found out that Rise was the ones that were behind, you know, having that happen, it made total sense to me um, that Rise would be the trusted source. Just as Randell said, like now there's a lot of agencies that really do trust Rise and we're the bridge or the conduit like to the community because the community members have been kind of pushed away, you know, out of those kind of spaces. I know that when I first started going to New England Launch, a lot of my peers did not go to it and they didn't think it was for them. But then having it come to Scarborough and like get, or even work with artists that we recognize um, and that we, that come from our communities, it helped us to be more engaged in the art. And I think it gives, again, youth and just like everybody, something positive to do with their time. And I think that that's like what the world needs more of. So yeah, Randall, if you can like talk about how that came about even, that would be amazing. Yes, Al. I love it. That's a great synopsis. And it's nice to hear from the other end, too, as far as you coming in and seeing it um, from that perspective. Um, but yeah, I mean, to add to it, we were really grateful to be involved in some of the planning of it. What what was great was because we were known as like the arts organization, when Nui Blanche, the city of Toronto, decided they were going to move to Scarborough, it was, it, was, it was great because we were the ones that were able to really get the messaging out for community artists, you know? And so when they seen the collaboration between uh, Nui Blanche and Rise, they really loved it. Uh, I was also really excited to see my friend Alyssa Ferrand, who was the uh, first, yeah, man, she, I'm just so, so happy for her when she was the first curator of Scarborough, Scarborough's Nui Blanche and what she was able to do with it being from Scarborough and seeing Scarborough grow. So our main role, which I really love how things kind of blossom, our main role was to curate a showcase that happened at the back of the loading dock at Scarborough Civic Center. And I mean, we didn't know what to expect, you know, but what we decided to do was that we would have majority, if not, I think about 95% of the artists were from Scarborough. So a lot of great things have happened. So the second year that New Blanche came, some of the artists that were, you know, involved in the first year who are RISE members or RISE team members uh, that were also artists, they also got the opportunity to exhibit their work as well. And that's true. I, I do want to add to that because in the second year, because of like how well it went um, in the first year, which that's one thing that you can like expect about RISE, like everybody is really for the vision. People, they give up a lot of their time and everything to make it happen. But as Randell said, it's almost like hanging out. For me, it's almost like just hanging out with my best friends, the people that I like the most. Getting to see them every week has been a blessing. And I would say that because, again, of this collaborative effort and everyone being for this bigger dream, that then I got to actualize another dream, which... As I said, I, I really loved New England Launch. I went like every year, like ever since it came to Toronto or at least since I knew about it, at least for the last, yeah, long time. Wow, I'm not gonna age myself right now, but I went there for a lot of events. And then I got to work for New England Launch in 2019. Yes, 2019. And that was a dream of mine. Like I didn't, again, I didn't think that that was something that was in my reach or like that I knew the right people because the city, like now I've got to work with people like you, Julie and Jen and like the whole production team and Kate and all these great people. Um, and I don't think I would have if I didn't get introduced to Rise. Like, I don't think I thought that there was a place for me there. And now I recognize that there is and like there's really great people and some of the information that 
I was fed and the red tape that was put up that I've now been able to cross has been because of like the doors that have been opened because of my collaboration with Rise. So yeah, it really just like infiltrates like every angle. At least for me, I don't see one angle like of how Rise has been built that doesn't involve like heavy collaboration. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Jeremy. I love that. Just how when you have the right collaboration, it's an impact that trickles down, hopefully, you know, a generation or hopefully for years, you know, and it's not just one time. Like Nuit Blanche is one night, but there's like, Julie, I'm sure so you know, much. there's a year that goes into planning, you know, like 12 hours for that 12 hours, it's a whole year, if not more, of planning that goes into it. But then it's like after that 12 hours is done, there's still such a, a trickling impact that is happening, you know, like the, the water continues to run and people still continue to drink from that water. And I think mm-hmm. it's a beautiful thing um, mm-hmm. to be able to be a part of that. And, you know, like there's great people around the table. I just really got to like emphasize like great people. Even when I met you, Julie, you know, I just met you. I'm like, yeah, you make, it makes sense that you'd be a part of it. Just kind spirit. The synergy between these curators and community connectors is captivating and exhilarating. Just to think about what our future could be imagined with the possibilities that are created with these leaders at the helm. Hmm. So I guess I'll leave it there then. Thanks so much for listening. I would love to say Chimigwich, Marcy, and thank you to all the people that make this podcast possible. And tune in again for Nui's Belonging to Place.